The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Africa Business Report brought to you by SAA, the ones who fly SAA's growing route network, now flying to Blantyre, Lilongwe, Big Falls and Vintuk. On the line to us from the United Kingdom this evening, Ronak Kopoldis, Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk. And I suppose the only one story that really matters, not only for us here in South Africa, but for our region and the continent and the whole, is the sides we're picking, the battles that we are, uh, are choosing to fight and the claims we prepared to make, the friends we prepared to entertain, and whether or not we are uh, closet arms dealers or not is still open to question, Ronak. How on earth did we get into this dap- tap dancing through a minefield? Yeah, spot on, Bruce. Um, well, I mean, obviously it all started with the U.S. ambassador's press conference last Thursday, uh, which accused South Africa of supplying arms to, to Russia last year. It was a big revelation, not only for the substance of the allegation, but also the tone and the language that he used. And this has obviously triggered uh, a big diplomatic spat. The, the Foreign Affairs Minister and the U.S. Secretary of State have had to, to get involved. But I think the question is beyond the noise, what, wh- where are we actually? Um, and I think there's, there's three scenarios in a South African context, right? So the first is that the government really didn't know anything. But this was a secure military base. Um, it's hard to believe that, but given how rampant criminal elements are in state-making institutions, you know, it's not entirely implausible. The second um, explanation is that the government did this and didn't expect to be caught, and this was either due to party funding, ideological nostalgia, um, or, you know, brick solidarity, but that would be in defiance of Western sanctions. And the third explanation is that the U.S. intelligence is wrong. And, you know, it's all quite speculative at this stage. Um, there's no proof that's been offered, but it's made for a very tense past few days um, and unleashed a, a diplomatic debacle. In diplomatic terms, just how big a deal is this? I mean, we've had lots of opinions on it. I'm curious on yours because you understand the Africa dynamic with Russia. You understand the importance of the United States as a trading partner and an investor in so mm. many African economies. How big a deal is this really? Storm in a teacup or the beginning of economic Armageddon? No, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, you know, uh, I think, as I've said before, African countries are going to decide whether they want to be kingmaker or piggy in the middle um, in this era of great power competition. And I think this is a, a prime example. Um, and I think, you know, let's look at some of the specifics. Look at the South African reaction over here. South Africa has kind of been trying to play both sides. It's been claiming active non-alignment, but it's quite clearly been caught on the, the back foot over here. And, you know, it's antagonized the U.S., um, and that's kind of created this, this backlash. So I, I think um, South Africa has been trying to do damage control. You know, we saw the demarche, and then we saw the, um, the heavyweights being rolled out on Saturday to try and, and kind of remedy the situation. Um, you know, we saw Sidney Mufamadi, Zendango, etc. But I think, you know, it was a strategic blunder and they didn't expect the U.S. to react the way they did. And the U.S. Um, has taken off the kid gloves. And I, that's, that's another kind of question worth asking. Was this a calculated risk and a gambit from the, the U.S. designed to rattle South Africa's cage and get some movement? You know, after five months, there hadn't been any action. Now there's a commission of inquiry um, was it the U.S. flexing its economic and military muscle and showing South Africa to be aware of where its bread was buttered? Um, you know, they've also quoted some criticism 
around arrogance and bullying and weaponizing its influence. And in the context of the developing world in Africa looking for alternative power structures, um, I think this move doesn't exactly win friends and support. So, you know, in, in, in this specific context, both sides are very annoyed with each other and there's a need to recalibrate relations. But if we zoom out a little bit, you know, the desire for a fairer representation in global power structures, uh, a desire for, you know, uh, for, for um, greater, greater representation is a noble one. But the way South Africa is going about this is extremely clumsy and haphazard and it risks alienating um, multiple trade partners if it's not careful. And it's so interesting because I mean, you you can partner with whom you like. You can have your, your you can have your besties in the global economy, and that's no problem. But why do you have to do it? Um, why you know, provocatively in such a way where um, you know South Africa's astonishing um, allegiance to Russia, and it is an astonishing allegiance to Russia when you consider the aggression with which Russia has treated Ukraine and the, the Singapore minister in, in South Africa, the prime minister in South Africa today, making the point that you know, when your friend misbehaves, you, you call your friend to order. Um, and we're certainly not prepared to do that, but we, we, we're going off to go with six, with five other African states to go and pay peace mission in Russia. And I, I wonder just how successful you think that might be. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a face-saving exercise, Bruce. Um, I think quite clearly there's, there's damage control that needs to be done in the aftermath of this saga, and South Africa is, is kind of trying to rehabilitate its, its, its image. It's kind of been criticized for partisanship, close neutrality, um, and I think this is a direct response to that. Um, so, you know, I remain skeptical around, around that, and I'm not sure that given what's happened, South Africa is, is best placed to... To, to succeed in that regard. At the same time, uh, as much as we shouldn't be pulling the uh, the American tiger's tail, America is, I think, very cautious of antagonizing too many economies on the African continent, particularly economies that may be of use to it in the future. AGOA is not a charity exercise. It's an exercise of winning friends and favor in what is an important region for the world, for the global economy in the next 50 years. They don't want to be handing... Um, African economies to Russia, to China on a plate. I mean, this is part of a much bigger fight. Yeah, definitely. And America needs to tread quite, tread quite cautiously over here. I mean, I think they've been accused in the past of weaponizing its influence and, and trade. And this is why you're seeing this kind of push towards de-dollarization, um, you know, coming through in, in financial markets and amongst policymakers in developing countries. You know, you're also seeing the emergence of BRICS and the desire for greater representation in the UN Security Council. So, you know, the, there's a perception that, you know, American influence is overstated and not fit for purpose in the current global order. Um, and, you know, America needs to, to exercise soft power influence uh, which is what they're trying to do under the Biden administration. They're pushing a kind of new type of Washington consensus across the continent. In the past, it's been criticized for being framed really through a Russian and Chinese lens and, and for, being, for being framed um, in those terms. But Africans are demanding that, you know, they're being treated, they're, they're treated as equals and that, um, you know, African countries are, are, are treated as equitable partners and win-win partnerships are developed um, across the African continent with, with all powers. So it's not only the established powers like the U.S., 
China and the European Union. You've also got uh, powers like India, Turkey, and, and Russia making a, a play. So definitely, um, you know, the U.S. needs to trade cautiously over here because otherwise it's going to, to drive uh, African countries who are disillusioned with the current global order into the, the arms of, of the likes of, of Moscow and Beijing. What's the biggest risk to us right now, as you see it, Ronak, in terms of us trying to play both sides, trying to, you know, trying to get the best of all worlds? What is, what is the, the downside risk to us here? So definitely economic. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the economic transmission channels, you know, financial markets sold off quite aggressively last week. Um, you know, markets have now added a geopolitical risk premium to the significant economic issues that South Africa has already. And, you know, just translating that um, into into kind of hard, cold, random sense, you know, a shift from 1820 to the dollar to 1920 will drive up the import bill by 122 billion rand and add almost 2% to consumer prices and ultimately the man on the street that, that suffers. And, you know, as a small open economy of South Africa, you know, we're subject to, to global developments and in a risk-off environment, um, you know, this is going to increase our cost of funding, drive up our, our, our inflationary costs. Um, and so there's, there's a very, very material impact on, on the, the consumer at the end of the day. In terms of trade, you know, if AGOA benefits are suspended, you know, that will again result in job losses. Um, and that's something that uh, would not be... Would not be great, uh, particularly you know, given the the um, current predicament that we're in. And I think the U.S. will really use this as leverage um, to try and yeah. kind of get us to 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 behave in a more compliant way. And then you know, if there's sanctions um, and we're found to have, have kind of committed some wrongdoing, then I think definitely um, the Western geopolitical bloc will follow suit. Um, and that that's going to be extremely damaging. You know, there's 600 U.S. companies operating across the continent. It's the largest foreign investor um, in South Africa at the moment, um, and that's South Africa's third largest trade partner. Um, so definitely, in terms of financial markets, trade, and investment, there's there's a lot to worry about. Thank you, Rana Kapoldis. Careful, considered, and uh, very insightful. Director and Africa analyst at Signal Risk, Rona Kapoldis, this evening on the line to us from the United Kingdom. Yeah, we can pick our friends. We can pick our sides. We can trade with whom we please. But you've got to just uh, understand the global dynamics here. Yes, you can upset the Americans if you think that that's the smart thing to do. But there are consequences. And unfortunately, those consequences play out in the real world, in ordinary people's livelihoods. And, you know, the principle that you're seeking to administer, whatever that principle may be, will have real world consequences on people who have got absolutely nothing to do with your standoff.